Hey, welcome back everyone to the Reflux Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery. We are still at the Heinz Convention Center here in Boston at How Design Live. And we have with us speaker Robin Canner. Robin, how's your, how's your, you said, no, you said you used to live here in Boston or something? Yeah, I lived in Boston for like two years. So are you checking out the old area? Or? Yeah, I went back to my old neighborhood yesterday. I lived in Cleveland Circle, so right off Englewood Ave. So yeah, I took the, the MBTA over there. There's this little trail that I used to go on all the time. So I went over there, got brunch at my old spot, went to Cafe Fix, which is like where I used to get coffee. So basically, it just feels like 2014 again for me. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. What 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 are, what do you recommend? Do people come up since ask you where, where they should go? Like, what, what what should we do around here? Like, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I my like relationship with Boston was very much in Cleveland Circle and like Brighton Austin area. So how far away is that from? It's like a this mile, maybe center. two. Yeah, it's okay. really close. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah. we're like basically next to Kenmore Square, and Kenmore, you're just on the basically the Anglewood Green Line, the C train. You're on it for like 15 minutes, so we're right in Boston's really small. You're like every everyone's in there. So yeah, went back to the old neighborhood, just like walked past Barcelona, which was like this like nice dinner place that I used to go to. Went over to Harvard Square the first time I was here and uh, saw a film at Harvard Film Archive, which was really great. So, yeah, every time I get to go to a new place, I immediately go to, like, a theater and just, like, watch a movie. It's, like, the first thing I do. What's, what's the movie out right now? Uh, well, actually, I saw a, a film called um, Adieu Philippine, um, which is, like, a I think it's from 62. It's, a, it's an old French New Wave film by, I'm going to botch his last name, but Jacques something. It was really, it was really interesting. So, yeah, I watched that. Oh, they're playing old movies then. Yeah, I don't really watch much new films. <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I primarily watch like old films. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, in, in Omaha, I don't know if the theaters don't really play the old films. Sure. Per se. There probably is one. Yeah. Uh, but but we we get kind of the new releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever's going on. So I didn't know if there was a new one that was out. But no, I'm sure there are. I yeah, I have an independent movies from '62. Um, yeah, you, you yeah. Give, you can give spoiler alerts when you talk about those. Sure. Yeah. Deep cuts. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like, no spoiler. Yeah. I've seen it. It came out 60 years ago. You know, I I really like um, <laughs> I really like new wave film. I, I just like it. it's such an interesting genre to me, and I think some of it uh, applies to how like I think about you know, my work a lot of the times too. So, um, yeah, I, I watch a lot of film. It's like if anybody like cross my letterbox, it'll be like, holy shit, all you do is watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> and old ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're not going to ask you like, hey, what'd you think of the new uh, Doctor Strange or something? Yeah, I haven't you? seen it. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like, you know, here's the thing. It's just like, I think this films are great. I actually, I saw the new Spider-Man and I thought it was really fun, but like, there's this thing about like American film that's contemporary where it just follows like really specific plot devices and films and I, I really like people films like I, I love something that like really dives into like a character study of like you know who is this human why are they doing the things that they're doing where have they been where are they going and like a lot of contemporary American film is just about you know someone's trying to do something and something's in their way. And I think that's really great and interesting and fun and delightful. It's just like it's a little bit less interesting to me right now. Yeah, when you're, I think a lot of the films when, you know, I know are made for a worldwide audience and, and they have to be translated into so many sure. languages that it probably means that they cannot deal with the nuances of the films that you're talking about. Yeah, there's just something really, 
which which is the same because because I think some of those there are small independent films that I think with the theaters which are coming back sure. have the big pictures, but those small indie films I don't you know I I hope they yeah I'm assuming they'll survive in some way. Oh God, yeah, yeah. You don't need much to make a film. I mean, I saw. Um, I saw Hong Sang-soo give a talk um, at Lincoln Center a couple weeks ago, and uh, I really love Hong's films. And, um, you know, this is a guy who's made 27, 28 films now, and he he's such a good craftsperson at making uh, strong films about people with very little around him. Like a lot of Hong's films are about, like, conversations that happen over eating or drinking. So... It's all about the dialogue of, of, of who these people are, and they're all shot on, like, pretty average camcorder. Like, he's not a film guy. He's not trying to shoot on 35 millimeter anymore. He's just, you know, he's he's shooting these really digital films, and he makes them with four or five people, and they're wonderful. So, yeah, listening to Hong Talk, I was just like, wow, four or five people? You can, like, make an hour-and-a-half-long film, and it can dive into like relationships and who these people are and you know uh who they've been and 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 how they're they're going to exist um in the world and i'll watch those films for hours so i don't need to be blown away by cgi or anything i, I just want to listen to people talk you might even sit through the credits if there's only five names on it i oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah i'm just, I'm just picturing you know you, you yeah. know the movie and you're like oh it, Oh, the credits roll. Like credits. It may be twenty minutes like, before I see the, yeah. the end cut, but yeah. but when there's only five names, you're it's like, it's oh. just like written, directed, edited. Yeah. You know, somebody asked him in the Q and A. They were like, you know, like, well, how many people does it take to make your films? And Hong was like, it used to take six, but then I started mixing it myself, so now it only takes five. <laughs> like, it's just like this is a guy who's like really just trying to tell his stories and. He's asking all these big questions in his work, but he he um, yeah he's a he's a real big inspiration for me. So, but you know in other films you know like I I really like Joachim Trier and uh, I'll watch like a film like Worst Person in the World or Oslo August thirty first and the credits roll and I'm totally in the theater like with my phone out like taking photos of the credits so I can email the people who worked on it and just say like how do we work together like I really love your work like I mean I do that all the time. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, well, we got to ask what are, what are you, what are you talking about here at How? Uh, and you speak you speak uh, on the closing day, which will be tomorrow. Yeah. Or in this case, it's well it's well past by the, sure. the time anyone's listening to this. But yeah. But you're 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 at the uh, in the afternoon slot. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so last year <laughs> at um, at the Figma's conference, I wrote this talk called um, Five Novembers, and it, it was basically about 2016 to 2020, and everything that happened in those years for me. So going from, you know, working at a big tech company, sort of like slogging through, you know, the world to really having like this, you know, crisis of confidence and trying to figure out what I was doing in the world to joining the political movement and, and, and being creative director for the president and you know, all these things like that. And I sort of restructured that talk for this talk. And um, instead of five Novembers, it's called six Novembers. And, and I added last year into it. Well, I mean, it almost be like 60 Novembers, because last November counts for a few, doesn't it's it? It's pretty intense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, um, 2016 goes by really quick. 2017 is a little <laughs> bit longer, yeah. but 2020 is real long. You know, there's, yeah, I think when something's closer to you, you remember it in more vivid detail, right? Like, somebody asked me about 2016, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I remember where it was election night. But 
they asked me about last year, I can tell them like, well, this is what January was like, February, March, April. So yeah, as I get through the years, like each year is like a little bit longer because I, I remember it a little bit more clear. Okay, I just I just meant with everything that went on, it just feels like I, there's just this hole where I'm like, I'm like it just feels like it, there's a long time that happened, but I'm not sure yeah, yeah, if yeah. it was more than that much time. So. Yeah, that's the funny thing about time. It changes, it shifts. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, yeah. And it's weird, too, because going through it can feel, like, different than when you reflect back on it. Totally, yeah, yeah. So, like, these conferences go by so quickly. Like, yeah. Like, we're gonna be, I'm going to be here, like, three days. Sure. And it goes by quick, and then and then next week when I'm thinking about what will happen, I'll be like, say, there's, like, three weeks? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Much, so much happens. In, in... Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things I do, I mean, I journal a lot where I just, like, you know, I'm able to go back and, and read my notes on a particular time. But I also, for the last, like, 10 years, basically every week I record, like, a photo booth video of myself, like, talking about that week. Um, and it's usually, like, three or four minutes, and I'll never share it with any human being. It's just, like, for me. But I'm really able to, like, go back into a time and, like, understand, like, what exactly was happening in that time because of those videos. So sometimes I'll go back and look at the campaign ones, and I'll be like, you know, like, what the hell was I doing that week? And then... You know, it'll be a video of me talking about, like, how I am, like, navigating an email or navigating, like, a particular thing. Like, um, so that way it helps you, like, remember things, like, in, as they were. Because I, I don't have the strongest memory in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and even if we think we have the strongest memory, I don't I don't know if that's accurate. If, yeah, if totally. Actually, so that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, where do people go to find out more? If they, if you want, if they want to follow you or your work, where do you, where do you prefer that they, yeah. they delve into? Um, so after the campaign, I uh, started a studio called Studio Gradients. And yeah, if you head to studiogradients.com, you'll, you'll see all the work that we've been doing. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just me on the internet. So you just want to say hi, I'm Robin Cannon. All right, Robin, we'll be right back. You know, we, we, I have to ask because we don't have a lot of people on the show that work on presidential campaigns. We have had, sure. we have actually had um, a couple guys from Omaha did work on the Obama reelection campaign. Okay. One, of them, one of them moved to Chicago for nine months, and then, and then the other one who, who they were trying to recruit, who recommended, um, was Jake Welchard and Justin Kemmerling. Okay. He actually did some projects, but just did it as a freelancer. So, so it's always, I mean, it's just a large. Project. What what was your role? Yeah. Um, uh, so I was a creative director for the 2019 primary election for Beto O'Rourke, and then uh, the 2020 general election for Biden and Harris. And I will say that the <coughs> that that work for for O'Rourke was yeah. amazing. Oh, thanks. Like I think I had um I had some students that were asking about because a lot of political work at that level is so nitpicky that. Sure that I don't know if it's necessarily good, regardless sure. of if you like the candidate or not. So so I had a student that was asking, I was like, I was like, Better O'Rourke just launched theirs and I said, yeah. it's like regardless of what you think of these candidates, good, sure. bad I'm like, this is good work. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, the the primary campaign had a, a, a ton of great work from from a lot of different candidates. I, I thought Warren's primary brand was really strong. I thought Pete's work was really strong. I thought Harris's work was really strong. You know, it, it's so interesting. Like, in 2016, there was, you know, two candidates, Bernie and, and Hillary, and, you know, all this political talent basically divided into these two candidates. And then 2020 came along, and there's 25 different candidates. So all that talent got dispersed through 25 different campaigns. And 
what that did is it opened up um, a, a lens for a lot of different ways for stories to be told. Having not worked in politics ever, you know, there's no way I would have gotten that shot to even do the work at all if there wasn't for the fact that there was 25 different candidates because they needed 25 different people to do the work. So, you know, I knew some designers who worked on like three different campaigns. Like they they jump from from person to person to person um, and. Yeah, I, I thought the the <laughs> the primary in El Paso was really fun. Um, it was a complicated race, but uh, um, I loved El Paso. I, I loved living there, and yeah, it, you know, it's always a little bit of a drag when you lose. But you know, I was able to sort of regroup and and go into the the general election stronger for sure. It's also weird that in in that industry, when you're doing work, is that there is a there's a, there's an immediacy of a time. It's it's almost like you're doing yeah. you're doing an event. Yeah, yeah. Everything's and, built to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is kind of crazy. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. yeah. I don't think things should last forever. You know, I think things need to have like a natural end, right? Like, no, I just I just mean like we te- you te- you learn logo design and you're thinking this is going to be a company or product that's going to be you oh, know, like sure. Coca Cola. Yeah. And it's they're going to use this logo. They may tweak it, but it's going to be like the same logo for all sure. hundred years. And and they do not do that with political campaigns. Yes and no. I mean, you know, the Biden-Harris lock will outlive me. It's probably the first thing that I've made that will outlive me. And I was, like, very aware of that when I was making it. But there's other, I mean, many other logos that, you know, no one's going to remember the Beto O'Rourke logo in a couple years, right? Like, that's going to, it'll be a forgotten sort of part of history. But a presidential campaign that wins, like, that stands the test of time. And uh, I think, I, I mean, I was very aware of it when I was making it. Like, you're, you're both making this thing that's built to die and have a natural end, right? Like, as opposed to, like, you know, making McDonald's burgers, which is it's about real estate, right? You're just trying to you know, build houses. Um, but, you know, in political market, like, this thing that you, you spend time on is either going to live for a very long time and tell the story of America, or it's just going to, you know, be the, a piece of garbage in a week and you don't know and that there's something fun and exciting about that you also know that it's one of those things where i guess you work on it and we work on a startup launch and you're or something if, if you work on it, you're like maybe this will be huge yeah. maybe no one will see it but regardless everyone will see uh the work you do for a national sure. presidential candidate i'm assuming yeah yeah you're you know i think like Sometimes we, you know, <clears throat> not to come back to films, but sometimes I'll be watching a film and I'll be like, I'll see like a Bush Gore sticker or something like that, or a Clinton, you know, what, you know, Clinton Gore, Bush Cheney sticker. Uh, I can't believe I said Bush Gore. That was Freudian slip of sorts. But um, <laughs> you know, you'll see these like that would, that would be a crazy ticket. <laughs> that would be crazy. Probably would have won. Probably would have won Florida. That's for sure. But you know, you'll you'll watch this film and you'll you'll see this mark and you'll be like, oh great, now I know we're in you know two thousand or whatever. And uh, I think like. You know, I was very aware in making the Biden-Harris mark of, like, this is going to have a place in history. Like, I'm going to be, it's going to be 30 years from now, I'm going to be driving in the car, and someone's going to have that as a bumper sticker, and I'm going to know it, right? Like, um, so that stuff will stay with you. There there was a house, we, we've moved since, but, yeah. it, so the last time I saw it was probably about eight years ago or nine years ago. But every every time there was an election, they put back out their Ross Perot sign, oh, right? Oh, sure, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> right at the lawn. It's like it's like this thing by now is an antique. Sure, it's, yeah, it's thirty years old, you yeah, know. Yeah, and they, yeah. So so maybe you'll be driving along and they'll they'll still have the little yard signs. I hope. Um, I think that would be really beautiful. Because then you know, I think like 
I think it's our natural desire as humans to make things that outlive us, right? Because, like, we all die. So, you know, I one of the things that's, like, really great about having done this campaign is, like, I know this has legs further than me. And um, I know that's true because, you know, when I was doing the research for this campaign, I was looking at, you know, things from the Carter era, things from the Reagan era. Like, you know, you're, you're consistently referencing this old work, so... You know, the and fact at that, at that you level, know. I'm assuming. I mean, if you're doing like a, anything for Biden Harris, they they want it to be to where you know you have either the Americana, the look, and all that stuff. But it also they don't want it to where since everybody's going to see it, they don't want it to say like, hey, this looks like someone else's campaign from like you know, sure. 16 years ago. What type of research do you have to do to make sure that you can you can do something that's original, but that also doesn't stand out as too far out of, of the realm because they, you know, they, they still want to portray the typical sure. campaign looks. Well, I think the, the way that I like to approach this stuff and, and how I like to approach brands in general is I kind of treat them like sports teams. Chicago Bulls have like the Chicago Bulls jersey, right? You know yeah. the, the, the bull, but like they have city edition jerseys, they have away jerseys, they have home jerseys, they have all different styles. And you can apply that same theory to like a politician. So... Um, with the Biden brand, like, yeah, we had the home brand. Like, you know, you saw it, you knew it was Joe Biden, right? But that didn't mean that we didn't have city edition jerseys that were cooler and attracting, like, a, a college audience. Or we had, like, a, an oppo style that was, like, specifically targeting Republicans. Like, brands don't have to be, like, this, like, a Paul Rand kind of design, right? Like, things can have, like, a life and, and have an air about them. So you're able to build a uh, um, legacy in a, in a different way just because it can be contextual. How many different versions of that mark did you have to create because of that for all of those? So I, I worked on it with um, Jonathan Heffler, and we made, um, oh, north of a couple hundred, I think. Oh, wow. And then, you know, we trimmed it down. There was It, it actually is quite nerdy <laughs> um, because you're really, you're dealing in a couple things, right? You're dealing with, like, overall like feeling and vibe and everything of everything right but like you're also kind of dealing with shapes right like Harris is six letters if it would have been a candidate with nine letters that would have been a different mark oh, you should have candidate. talked to Joe and be like hey I would really like you to, yeah, can yeah. you convince her to change her name it would, yeah. it would visually help me out with this logo Harris locked the best uh, of of the final 11 names that we locked it to Harris fit the, the strongest in, in, in the shapes so um, which, which yeah. I know is not Obviously not the design no. factor, but yeah. but but when, yeah. when is, for for a designer you're probably like yes yeah like, <laughs> yeah well you know it's like such a it's such a weird process because it's like when we did the final eleven there was two names that I had as like like I had like one mark that I thought would work for all eleven or as closely as could but there was two names that I wanted to slightly alter and that was Harris and somebody else. Um, Due to their their the, sh- the shape of the letters and their name, yeah. And the, you know when I sent it through the deck, I was like, "Here's all eleven. If it's these two, I want to do this variation." And you know I got this email back that was like, "Okay, great, cool." And then the way that day sort of shook out was you know about forty seven minutes before it went public, um, I got the column that was Harris, and you just you throw away ten different things and you start, you have forty seven minutes to make everything else. Which, yeah, so if anyone's asking, well, why would you go through all these alternate versions for 11 people? And, and the reason is, is because 
when they need it, they need it immediately, and you have to have it ready, which means you have to create all of them. Yeah, that day was pretty bedlam, but I, I, mean, I had a lot of, I had, I had, I had eleven names kind of done, and I had three who I thought it could have been, and, and Harris was in that pocket, so I had Harris primarily built out, but it's such a, it was such a really small, tight group of people who who knew it was going to happen, and you know because we were a digital campaign. You know, it was kind of the first of its kind. So you know, we were looking to, to to Rob Flaherty, who was our digital director, um, and Alok and, and Meta, who was Rob's deputies, to to make this machine work. And, you know, it was called Project Greenlight. And, you know, it, when I got into Project Greenlight, which was like the, 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 the rollout, there was like four names in the Slack channel. And, like, you know, every five minutes, like a new person would get added because, you know, you just had to make sure... You just had to make sure it, that was so smooth. Oh, I should uh, mention. <laughs> I had to get. We're laughing because I had to get up and run around the room because the the lights were on a timer. Lights went out. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every like five minutes or so, like a new person would pop into the Slack channel, and you know, uh, we were really you know, sort of dead set on um, the release happening over text messages, so we could build our text platform, which Alana was working on, and. I, I was pushing the site, but the, the tough thing about pushing the site is, like, you don't know how long your server's going to take to update it. So two minutes before 3 o'clock Eastern time is when it went. So two minutes before I, I made the call to push the site, but the server somehow, good job on the tech team for this, Matt and folks and, and Jackie, but the server moved really quickly. So we the, the logo actually went on the site about 50 or 60 seconds before it went out on a text message. You're just dealing with many, many variables in a moment. Yeah, um, and normally, so. in, in, in yeah. any any usual company, they'd be like, I'll launch the thing and we'll announce it in an hour. And, yeah. and it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But you forget it. At this point, this is the biggest story in the nation, right? Yeah. Like, like, people are just... You've already narrowed it down to two campaigns, and yeah. they're just they're just hitting refresh on browsers. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a. I mean, Somewhere. it's it's an incredible job on the tech team because they're navigating the 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 server crash essentially, and there's so many donations that roll in, so you need to make sure the tech is perfect. And you know, we we we, we did it. That day was really weird. It was a super super emotional day, um, and I'm glad it worked. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We we talk about you know stress. Certain projects have more stress than others, and I'm assuming yeah. that one on certain days, just because of the the media and all the eyes on it, yeah, probably add to the sure. the workload. But it doesn't affect the design, or it shouldn't. But it kind of it affects sure. the designer. Yeah, I mean, I'm a you know I'm an emotional designer. <laughs> Everything that I make is like part of. I think it's de- you know deeply connected to me as like a human. So yeah, there were, there were some pretty hard days in the campaigns. There were some pretty wonderful days too, pretty funny days. Like you know, it was the first campaign ever in American history to be run remotely. So we were not only like I already forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> I already forgot was, that happened. You know, not only were we really dealing you know with the intensity of the election with a candidate like Trump, but we were also you know, alone in our apartments um, the whole time. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was hard to do, and, you know, it was hard to come down from. It's interesting. I was down at a hotel, um, the hotel bar last night, talking with somebody, and they were asking me a question about the, the campaign. And, you know, to be honest, like, I, when something ends, I let it go. Like, it's, it's kind of out of my head. And, and uh, by the way, I think, I think if you work in politics <laughs> yeah. of any sort, that is 
a skill. Yeah, you just have to, It's you just let it go. So I haven't really thought about the campaign in the last few months. I mean, I, it's just not a thing that I think about. So when even when I was writing this talk, I was like, what the fuck happened? Like, so I, like I had to go back to my notes and I was like, that's what happened that day. Like, major things happened, like, within hours of each other and, like, all have, you know, completely forgotten it. You know, like, it, we're talking, like, John Lewis, RBG, passing, Trump getting COVID, and a presidential b- debate happened in a two-week span. And, you know, the design is at the center point of, of a lot of those major cultural events. And... Sometimes I'll like read the Wikipedia and I'll be like, "What did that happen on that day? Or that, when? When did that happen? Because it was just so absurd." And then when it ends, you just you just let it go, and then you you, you make your new thing, you know. But it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna be right back. So Studio Gradient. Studio Gradients. Studio Gradients.com. Get, get that plural. Yeah, yeah, you go to StudioGradient.com. Who knows what you get? You go yeah, to StudioGradients.com. You get you, Robin Canner. You get us, yeah. How big is the team? What do you uh, it's four of us. Okay. And, um, and, 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 and what's your what's the yeah. elevator pitch? I don't, I don't know how to word that. Sure. So after the campaign, I didn't really know what to do. Like, we did the inauguration. Yeah, because your job is over. Just over, yeah. And you don't, not to blow, burst the bubble here, but you don't make money doing a campaign. Like, you pretty much, like, break even or go broke. So at the end of it, I didn't really know what to do. And um, you can't wait four years for another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was sort of lost. And I knew I didn't want to have like a, at that moment, at least, I didn't want to have a boss. I, I just couldn't, like, I was still, I was, I was processing trauma, really, for the most part. So I was like, I can't have a boss, but I, I do want to make things. So I guess we'll start a studio. It's myself, Asia, Eric, and Anna. And, and we were all in the campaign together. And we started a studio. And We've had the chance to work on some really fun projects, both political and corporate. On the political side, you know, we've had the chance to work with Josh Shapiro, who, knock on wood, will be the next governor of Pennsylvania. We uh, have done some work with the president. We did Building a Better America. So as roads and bridges get built through the the Biden administration, you'll see these street signs pop up with that mark on it. Um, We got to rebrand the DNC, which was, you know, a huge endeavor. Um, First time in a decade that they've gone through a brand refresh. And we've done, you know, some 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 fun corporate stuff too. We got to work with a fintech company and um, got to, to partner with Spotify for International Women's Day. Got to work on Showtime's a super pumped television show with done by Brian Koppelman, um, uh, based off a of Mike Isaac book. So, you know, we sort of have had this like really fun blended projects and. You know, for me as a person who like like does a campaign lots ago and does like something else, like it's been really great to have just something new to sink my teeth in. So you're trying to be like the sixth name on one of these movies, right? I would love to work. Yeah, well, well, my friend, I have a friend, Babe Howard, who's who's working on a short, and he and I are talking. He he shot a short recently, and uh, I think we're gonna do the the title screens or something for it. So I'd love to work on a film. I mean, it would be like a, a you know. It'd be a real dream of mine, but I, you know, I just want to make things. I don't really, I don't really, um, like, I'm not a designer who's like, like, I make websites. Like, I'll make anything. Like, somebody's t- tomorrow's like, can you make a building? I'll be like, sure. <laughs> just like, right. you know, yeah. like, you know, if I like it, I want to make it. Yeah. So, so, I, what is what is the dream project then? I think the dream project. And these is, things change. I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. 
dream project is a couple different things. Like, I like working on, like, right now, the dream project is just, like, a problem. Like, I don't, anything is, is fun and interesting for me to design. It could be, you know, it was such a treat to work with Spotify on, on, on their International Women's Day stuff. Like, that was an incredible project. It was a treat to work with the DNC. You know, I waver a lot about whether I'm done in politics or if I have, like, more to, to do in it. Um, so... Yeah, the dream project is just like anything, really. I'll, I'll make anything. I just want to make stuff. I feel sometimes same, and sometimes it's funny because you get you get if you have like a specific dream project, yeah. like you say it's this sort of thing. A lot of times that comes in, and you're like, "This was the worst thing I've ever done." Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's, it's you know, if you can stay open to things, sometimes yeah, things hit, and you're like, "That was unexpected, but good." Yeah, sometimes you know. Yeah, yeah. I turned down, I mean, after the campaign, um, I, turned, I turned down my dream project. You know, one of my favorite musicians of all time is, is Jeff Buckley. And huge, huge Jeff Buckley. I grew sure. up, like, uh, since I was, like, 14, I've been, like, studying Jeff Buckley. And, you know, they're shooting a biopic with Reeve Carney. And, you know, we met with one of the producers and they sent over the script. I wrote the script. We were talking about doing some design for it. And, you know like halfway through the reading of the script, I was like, I can't work on this. Like I, I care too much. Like like I care way too much about Jeff Buckley's like legacy to even like touch this. So wow. you know, it was one of those things where it was just like like I like not only am I not emotionally ready for doing this, like I like like if you're so close to it, you're almost like the worst person to work on it. Cause like you're just like I'm it's okay to be like a fan of something, right? right? So like, you know, sometimes you gotta turn down your group, your dream projects just because like you wanna be a fan of the thing. Like, I would never want anything that I, I love about Jeff Buckley to be tainted. So it's like, there's no fucking way I'm working on this thing. <laughs> like, I, I just wanna sit and enjoy it. Um, so. But you do wanna watch it when it's out. Of course, yeah. I mean like, like you know, they were, they were so sweet and amazing and I, I can't wait to watch it. But you know, like reading, reading the script was like one of the, most remarkable things in the world but like some things are just too good and you you don't want to you don't want to be a part of it because you just want to consume it yeah I, I don't know if dream project is the goal for me it's just like really like if somebody like lets me make a shoe tomorrow i'm gonna make a shoe if they let me make a film i'll make a film you know it's just it's whatever whatever comes through you know if it's a burger i'll make a burger i mean i really don't care what it is i just want to make stuff well, Robin, it's been great having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. And and look forward to seeing what Studio Gradients does in the Gradients Gradients does yeah. in the future. Yeah, yeah. Studio Gradients. It's called Studio Gradients, you know, because the campaign did a lot of gradients. But this is sort of a, a rip on. I don't know if anybody remembers the "You work for them, we work for them" thing that came out of Minneapolis. Um, uh, oh, it's drawn a blank in the in the two thousands. But yeah, there was a studio called We Work for Them in in Minneapolis in the, in the early two thousands and. They eventually like started to sell stock things, and the studio was called You Work For Them when they sold stock things instead of client things. And that was sort of the idea of Studio Gradients. It was like not about the fact that we make gradients, but the fact that you make gradients because we did it on the campaign. And that was my, my little nod to that Minneapolis shop. Okay. And, and you never worked there, I assume? Right? No, God, no. I was just a fan. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dustlab.